As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I love the Raiders. Most of all, I love to win. You are now listening to State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Ted Nguyen, and Deshaun Reed on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to State of the Nation on the Athletic Podcast Network. Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Ted Nguyen, Deshaun Reed getting you set for Week 17 Raiders at Broncos. Seems like an annual thing. Raiders closing the year in Denver. This year, they were trying to get to 8-8 eight and eight to finish the season at 500. Represent, I guess, some minimal progress from last season's 7-9 and nine effort. We'll see what the Raiders can put together on Sunday. I mean, obviously, things have not gone well for them as of late. Lost five out of six games. The 6-3 and three start is long-distant memory, but uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what they can come up with on Sunday. Yeah, who's fired up? It's, it's a big game. It's a... Uh... It's huge it's rivalry, all that stuff. It's good. I miss the. I mean, Derek Carr said to ask him at the end of the day's Zoom what his uh, New Year's resolution was, and it was to make the playoffs. So I think um, what this game can do for next year, uh, people say it might give him a launching pad or might be a way you can build some momentum, as John said at some point. But I don't, I don't get that impression. I think that every year is different. So to me, it doesn't really mean much this game. I think it's. Uh, Maybe a chance to get Henry Ruggs on track. Maybe see some Brian Edwards. But other than that, I don't see much uh, much to this game at all. This is for the over-under betters. The Raiders' line was seven and a half. Oh, that's a good point. All right. That is who cares about this game, the over-under betters. If you bet the Raiders over seven and a half wins, you have been tortured this past month, and you are praying that they can get that eighth win. If you were over and under better, and you must have been feeling good you know a few weeks ago and now you're sweating for this last game Uh, but i agree yeah i I don't think you could build momentum into next season i think maybe if you won that game on miami and then you know you have a chance of getting a winning record which hasn't really happened for the raiders and in that much in the past you know 15 16 years then this game would mean a lot more but now that you know the winning record is off the table uh, I agree. I think this game's just more about trying to get Henry Ruggs some targets. I'm still interested to see if they could use Mariota in a um, you know short yardage goal line package. I'm doing research for an article I'm writing right now, and man, the Raiders are terrible on third and one and 
fourth and one situations. And I, I think Mario could help in those cases. Um, you know, with, with the team as good as, as O-line as they have, they're ranked like 30th in those short yardage situations with some of the bottom of the league teams. And that's just not good. Yeah, I think the players may not, you know, get that hyped up for this game since there isn't a lot to play for. But I think Gruden really cares because I think it's sort of a technicality of saying, you know, they made progress this year. And I do think, you know, outside of the collapse at the end, I would say like objectively looking at this this year's team compared to last year's team, I do think it is a better team. They just, you know, couldn't close down the stretch. But, you know, if they finish seven and nine, it, it looks like a linear year, you know, and if they have the eight and eight mark, you, know, you could say it took at least one step forward, obviously not reaching, you know, the goal of the playoffs, but um, not necessarily staying stagnant either. And so I think Gruden really wants this one. I think that's why he kind of, he got asked today, you know, would you maybe put in some younger guys that haven't gotten as much burn this season and he kind of recoiled to it. So I definitely don't think this is going to be a game that they, uh, you know, kind of mail it in. See, I actually disagree a little bit that, that this team feels better than they were last year, mostly because I think last season, at the end of the year, you could point to some young guys on that defense and say, hey, you got a 10-sack season out of Max Crosby. You know, Trayvon Mullen looks like he's going to be a solid corner. Maybe Cleveland Furl can build off of a rookie year and really become a different player in year two. And I think Furl became a little bit of a better player in year two. We saw Crosby regress a little bit, only six sacks. He hasn't had one in a long time. Mullen, uh, you know, maybe some progress here, you know, kind of stagnant. I actually feel like last year you could kind of look at the young guys, the rookie class, and say, all right, if they take that next step, then we're going to be have a chance to be pretty good, whereas I don't, don't really see that next step. And this year I kind of think, man, I, I, I don't see as much hope for that defense to, to significantly improve in 2021. I think that's a good point. I think we talked about at the beginning of the season, you know, if this team, if their defense was just not awful, they could definitely improve. They could definitely make the next step. And if they weren't awful, their defense wasn't awful, they'd probably win two or three more games. They'd probably have 10 wins at this point. If you look back in the last month, uh, the games they've lost in the end. So, yeah, I think you're right. I think defense has taken us somehow, taken a step back. And the guys you looked at has maybe been encouraging signs to the future. Now are kind of question marks. I'm not sure there really is a foundation or a centerpiece in this defense that you can build on. So I think uh, people are going to blame the coordinators for that, but I think it's more than that. I think it's also a question of, of you know, the draft picks you made and the guys you sign in free agency. So I agree with you in that, in that that side of the ball, it's a bigger mess than it was at the beginning of the year. Yeah, the defense is definitely like, taking a step back. There's no question about that. I just think the offense has taken this pretty significant step forward. And I think they, they have enough – Flexibility on defense in terms of guys like the Marcus Joyner, Malik Collins, some lower tier guys like Eric Harris that probably won't be back next season and freeing up some money on the offensive side of the ball. They should be able to go out and get some guys on the defensive side of the ball through draft and free agency. It's just a matter of if they hit or not. But if they do hit, I do still think that, you know, guys like Trayvon Mullen um, and it's kind of it's hard to judge Damon Arnett with, with kind of the rookie season that he had. But you know, some of the younger guys that they, they have, I'm not, I'm not completely jumped the ship on them. And so I think that they are able to wisely use that free agency money this offseason and, and draft well. And I don't think the defense is going to be good by any means, but, you know, maybe they can get to that tier that we expected them to be in this season, which was, you know, kind of average or below average. And I think with this offense being the way it is, that might be enough to get them into the playoffs next year if they're able to just bring up the defense to being like relatively competent, which sounds really terrible and is a low bar, but I don't think that's completely out of the picture given, you know, the money that they have to spend this offseason and, and the fact that they're going to be drafting, you know, at a 
pretty high pick in the mid-teens maybe. I think where my concerns are offensively is that I don't know what they're going to have at receiver next season just because we didn't really get to see Brian Edwards this year. We didn't really get to see Henry Ruggs become a full part of this offense. Nelson Aguilar had a nice surprise year, but he did that on a $1 million salary that is if they bring him back is going to be significantly more and that's going to be a tough option to weigh. Like, is he, is he worth the salary that he's going to command? I mean, he was a great surprise to get that production for a million bucks, but he's now going to be a free agent and I don't know what they do there. And so we still don't really know exactly what they're going to have in terms of reliable receivers. Obviously Darren Waller really is their number one receiver. I'd feel better about them as a team going forward if we had seen that production out of the two rookies. Aguilar's agents can have some more bargaining chips with uh, some of the quotes today from uh, John Gruden and Derek Carr expressing that they feel like Aguilar could become one of the best receivers in NFL. So it, do- it does sound like they want to bring him back, but I, I agree with you. It's going to be much different. You might be looking at paying him somewhere between, you th- yeah, I think $8 million is a fair range for him. He's probably going to want Tyrell Williams money, right? Yeah, you think so. I mean, he's still pretty young. He's 28. He's still um, at a good age and definitely uh, has career year at the right time. So I have no idea what the market is right now for, for receivers, but I have to imagine he'll definitely cost you probably, like you said, probably 8 to $11 million a year probably. I'll say probably like 8 to 10 I don't know if he gets up to the 11 mark. He had a good season, but you know, I think he was what, third on the team in catches and it doesn't look like he, unless he has a big game, probably won't crack 1,000 yards. So I don't know if, if they get up into the – 11 plus range I think it probably wouldn't be worth it to bring him back given just the the depth of their issues issues on the defensive side of the ball I think that that money would better serve you know shoring them up on that end rather than you know keeping a pretty good receiver for that that dollar figure but it also depends you know how many years and, and all that too yeah I mean you look at what Tyrell Williams produced the two seasons prior to the Raiders signing him for what like 11 million a year I mean he was 41 catches, 653 yards, five touchdowns the season before, the, the year before that, 43, 728, four touchdowns. He had the one year, I think, when Keenan Allen was hurt, where he had 69 catches for 1,059 and seven touchdowns. But, I mean, his numbers, the two seasons prior to getting the big contract from the Raiders, are below what Aguilar just put up. So, I mean, I think if I'm Aguilar's agent, I'm looking at that Tyrell Williams contract as kind of a, a, of a, a good example, a baseline for what I'm asking for for Aguilar. Yeah, I think his agent should do that for sure. I just don't think the Raiders, especially after just doing the Tyrell Williams. Yeah. That's why, you know, you got to draft well. So you don't have to overpay guys in, in free agency. And that's uh, another reason why it's so disappointing that the Raiders don't really have an answer for whether Ruggs can be that guy next year or Edwards could be a good complimentary number two, which is why it's more important to try to get these guys some reps and some targets in this next game. I, I think... You know, while they're in contention, they're hesitant to to really give Ruggs and Edwards a lot of targets because Aguilar was doing so well. But you got to give these guys targets, get some more film, get some more information on uh, what you have so you can make a better decision whether you're going to pay Aguilar or just depend on these two rookies that coming into their second year. I think a big part of that, though, is also the trust factor. Like Derek today talked about the trust factor he has in Aguilar and he had in Crabtree a couple years back. And I'm not sure it's there with Ruggs. I think he's, it hasn't happened for him. I think he's tried to give him some chances to make plays, and Ruggs has not come down with the ball at times. So I just think that um, I think Derek's big on knowing that you're going to be in the right spot at the right time and they'll have reliable hands. I think that's still an issue for him as far as not giving Ruggs more. I think it's obviously John. John's calling the plays, but obviously Derek adjusts the plays, calls audibles. So I think 
the lack of targets for rugs can also be traced back to Derek's lack of trust in him so far. Yeah, and Derek mentioned three names on the roster when he was talking about guys that he trusts. Talked about Aguilar. He mentioned Zay Jones, who you know barely has a role in the offense, and he mentioned Hunter Renfro. Obviously, we know their third down connection. Didn't mention the two rookies, and uh, that's pretty significant. I mean, I think the biggest impact that the pandemic had, kind of on everything that preparing for this Raider season is that you didn't get Ruggs and Edwards, but especially Ruggs all that time with Derek Carr working with him in the offseason. Plus, Ruggs had that injury, you know, from the the moving accident. So he wasn't out there, you know, getting all that, all those reps with Carr. You hope that this next offseason he can get that, but I don't know how different this offseason is going to be. I mean, I think when you talk to, when you kind of look at the, from the medical side, the thought is more like the summer is kind of when everybody will hopefully be vaccinated and things can start getting back to normal towards summer, fall. I mean, this spring, the whole OTAs, minicamp stuff might be very similar to what it was, uh, you know, this past year. Yeah, it's probably the wrong year to draft a receiver with upside. You probably want a guy who thought could be more of an impact, you know, contributor right away, as opposed to they wanted rugs because of the speed and what he could be, not really what he was at this moment. So I know the stats are probably like he's what makes tenth among receivers and rookie receivers, I think, in, in most categories. So yeah, I think this this whole circumstance definitely did not do him any favors. Yeah, and I also think it's tough. I mean, you're not necessarily, especially when you're talking about twelve overall. You are drafting for the future to a degree. It's not just, you know, a, a one-year type deal. But um, they're kind of in between, you know, with them being a mostly young team but having some of these big contracts that they have. It's like they're in win-now mode while also preparing for the future. And we see teams get caught up in that, you know, not really choosing one, and then they end up doing neither. But, you know, I think, you know, if Ruggs, you know, next two or three years starts to develop a little bit more, then they'll be happy still. Obviously, there were, there were a bunch of rookie receivers that, it had a greater impact than him this season. It's just, you know, it's always tough with the draft in that sense. Do you, you know, you go for the upside or the immediate impact? And, you know, like I said, with them being a team that's kind of in between, um, I think you're going to have a, a mixed bag when it comes to how they draft in that case. All right. Well, I wanted to go back. Uh, I, I took a look the other day. Uh, you know, we did our over under projections earlier before the season and kind of we used the, the fantasy numbers that our uh, our fantasy team had produced and projected where we thought guys would be over under on those stats and went wanted to just look at a couple of them here on the show and you know Derek Carr was projected for 4164 yards and 26.2 touchdowns he enters week 17 with 37 31 yards and 25 touchdowns if he doesn't get hurt against the Chargers and miss you know 3 quarters of that game he's probably right on track for the yards and he is already right on track for the touchdowns i mean he he can't get 1.2 touchdowns, but if he gets a touchdown or two, he's going to hit that. So really, I think we all agree this is a, a good season by Derek Carr, you know, about what you expect out of him. Yeah, I thought he made strides. I thought he made more plays with his feet, and definitely it was better in terms of uh, getting out of trouble in the pocket and, and looking for a second and third options. I think um, a, lot, a big part of this, you can talk about Aguilar a lot, but I mean, you also have to give Derek credit because his number one receiver was Nelson Aguilar, which is not probably what everyone thought it was going to be at the beginning of the season. So I think he, um, and there's some injuries in up front. So I think there's plenty of, uh, I know Derek has his um, fans and his haters, but I think he actually you can definitely make a case he improved this year. And it's something that he and John can build on uh, for next year. Carr definitely took a step up and he definitely was not the problem this season. And when the offense is humming and he's able to go up to the line of scrimmage, get the team in a right play, and do all all sorts of things. You, you see the value of, of Carr in, in Gruden's offense, and that definitely you know sets a, a good precedence for the future. But there are some blind spots in this offense that 
that have to get fixed. Um, the run blocking for this offensive line, just I don't know what happened to them. It's, it's, it's got so much worse towards the end of the year, and they seem to be healthier before the season. You know, that also brings up the question of, you know, do you bring back Richie Incognito? Because the run game was a lot better with him in the lineup, too. Yeah, at this point in Carr's career, we talked about it a little bit before the season. You know, that, you know, there's going to be guys that, and people in general, that kind of just don't like him no matter what happens as far as his numbers or how he plays. Um, they just kind of just want somebody new. But just looking, you know, both at the, the, the raw numbers and watching the games this year, I think he played pretty well. He's one of the better better quarterbacks um, in the league this season, considering the circumstances of, you know, not having the greatest receivers in the world and, you know, beat up offensive line and, you know, the running game not being quite what, what it was expected to be. You know, I don't know how much more he could have done this season outside of, you know, getting hurt in that one game. And so, you know, obviously he, the Raiders have a decision to make on him this offseason with his, his contract not being guaranteed moving forward, I believe. And so be interested to see what they, they do there. But, you know, I would say, you know, based off this season that, that they're probably going to you know, lean into keeping Carl at least for, for next season. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Josh Jacobs, uh, he was projected for 1,208 yards, 9.2 touchdowns, and 41.2 receptions. He is at, entering week 17, 976 yards, 10 touchdowns, so he's hit the over there, 33 catches. So he's probably going to finish on the under on the yards and the receptions, uh, over on the touchdowns. Been a little bit more involved in the in the passing game, but I don't think he's going to quite hit that 40 mark that we were looking at. 24 yards away from a back-to-back thousand-yard season, made the Pro Bowl. You know, Ted mentioned the, the struggles in the run blocking, and I think, you know, that's that's where we've seen uh, Jacobs' numbers go down a little bit. He averaged 4.8 yards per carry last year as a rookie, down to 3.8 this year. Um, he hasn't had the explosive plays. Last year, he had 10 rushes of 20-plus yards. This year, it's only three. But still, I mean, you know, he's established himself. He's six in the league in rushing, even if that 976 total isn't out of this world. I, I think that's just kind of a sign of where the NFL is at now. You don't see a ton of backs that are really uh, highly exceeding the 1,000 yards. But he's one of the better running backs in the league, that's for sure. 
Yeah, I think he's shown flashes. I think you definitely can see um, why they're excited about him. Also, I think he's been battling some injuries and, and was sick last week. That's what John said. So, hasn't been a great finish for him. I think uh, actually this weekend should be good for him. The Broncos are not very good against the run. So, if they're serious about kind of establishing some momentum for next year and they get you know the offensive line finally going and getting some holes for him, he might finish off the big game and kind of maybe that could be a springboard till next season. You know, last season he was dealing with a shoulder injury, but he was still explosive. And it seems like he might be lower, you know, dealing with some lower leg injuries because he just does not look as explosive as he as he did last season. And he's not breaking as many tackles as he as he was last season and in the beginning of, of this season. And that brings up some concerns, too, because this would be a second year in a row where, you know, injuries have kind of slowed him down. And he just did not have a big workload while he... He was at Alabama, but definitely when he's healthy, he looks like he could be a, a top five running back. But unfortunately, this is the second year in a row where injuries have slowed him down. There's some issues with the offensive line as well. He definitely right now does not look like he's explosive as he could be. All right, on to Darren Waller. Uh, we're going to skip over the rookie receivers just because, hey, we know what it is. Uh, those guys have, have not uh, put up close to the numbers they were projected. But Waller uh, was given somewhat tame projections, uh, 72.3 catches, 860 yards, 5.2 touchdowns. He's, he's blown them all out of the water. You know, Second among tight ends with 98 catches, 1,078 yards. Third among tight ends with eight touchdowns. Right now, if you're looking for the best thing about the Raiders roster, is that this guy is locked in uh, for another few years on on a pretty good discounted contract. Yeah, I think when you look at his production compared to uh, some other tight ends in the league that got paid, you know, big money last offseason, uh, Austin Hooper comes to mind. You know, they're getting a bargain deal for him, and you know, there aren't any signs, you know, barring injuries, that he's going to slow down at any point moving forward. I think, you know, him having this kind of a season to follow up last season, you know, showed that it wasn't just a flash in the pan year. And so, yeah, I think he's probably, you know, you could argue he's their, their best overall player right now. And, you know, he's not near to being their highest paid player. That's probably the best move that Gruden has made as a GM, you know, during his second tenure with the Raiders finding Waller and then extending him when they did because that's, you know, they, they have a pretty good deal with Waller who I think really cemented himself in that top tier with George Kittle and, and, and Travis Kelsey. He's exceeded expectations. He's a, you know, a true number one target and, and yeah, the, the Raiders are sure glad to have him and he, he makes life a lot easier for everybody. Wait, did you just call uh, Gruden a GM? Come on, man. Oh, little respect for Mike Mayock. Come on, dude. All right, we're going to talk one defensive guy. Obviously, everybody we projected there, Crosby, Furl on the sacks, and and Trayvon Mullen, Damon Arnett on the interceptions. Everybody's at the under, and and unless Mullen, hey, I won't rule out Mullen or Arnett both getting two sa- uh, two interceptions uh, against Drew Locke, but uh, probably not going to happen. That's a shot to Sean right there, man. <laughs> I mean, did you see him last time they played him? But Max Crosby, projected sacks, we had him at nine. He is at six now. I mean, he could get, he did have a four sack game last year as a rookie. So maybe he gets a four sack game or a three sack game and matches it. But he had six sacks through the first nine games since then in the six game since no sacks, only three quarterback hits. Uh, his pressures are down this season. He had 31 last season, 24 so far this year. What do we think about Max Crosby? I mean, it, we, he was obviously looking like an ascending player last year, defensive rookie of the year, and I think he's still probably the most feared defensive player on the, on that team, but didn't quite take the the next step here in this second season. 
My take is he needs some help. I think he needs some help. I think he, they didn't really bring anybody in to help him this year. I think teams are focused on him. And you can say maybe he's a one-trick pony. Maybe he's not really where he should be against the run yet. But um, I still think it's tough. It's a tough spot to put a young guy in. The second year, and you're adjusting to all your teams. They're adjusting to you. And I think there's really not been much on the other side of the, of the field to have any attention off of him. So I think he needs help. Yeah, I'd agree there. Um, I do think – you know, I noticed some issues with him when it came to stopping the run that I, I didn't necessarily notice last year, maybe because of, you know, his high sack total. It got He's overlooked a little bit more, but he definitely has some strides to make when it comes to being an every down defensive end. But, yeah, I think it's tough for a guy when there really aren't any other consistent pass rushers up front. And then also, you know, Max was one of the guys that had, you know, COVID this year for the Raiders, and we don't really know – you know, the long-term effects of that and maybe how that might change guys physically. So that's something to, to consider as well. But yeah, I think it's more about being the only legitimate pass rusher they have up front and, and teams keying in on them more so than him taking a step back this year. I think last season, the uh, his pressure rate was the, the concerning number. It didn't really match up with the, his sack totals. So I think fans were a little overrating him last season. I had some fans arguing that he was better than Nick Bosa, which is insane. But yeah, I think he was a little overrated coming into um, this season. But I, I still think he's a very good player. I think he's more of a complimentary pass rusher. So he does need another really good pass rusher on the other side of him to really unlock his his uh, potential. Yeah, I mean, he, he needs to get stronger and he, he needs some more help. But, you know, I just don't see him as one of those top tier edge rushers, but that doesn't mean he can't be a very good player, uh, which I think he will be. I just think that he, he needs help. All right. Well, let's move on to some questions here before we make our predictions. Uh, and we're going to start our questions here with an apology from Alex V. Well, I was the guy who asked if the Raiders made the playoffs after winning three straight and I jinxed them. Sorry, everyone. My question is, is there any possibility that Gruden gives up play calling and hypothetically, if Carr was to be traded, what would be his value? We'll start with Gruden giving up play calling. I think he's a good play caller. He has hiccups here and there that are hard to explain. But I mean, I, I don't, I don't see him giving up play calling. Yeah, I think he struggled the last month or so. I think definitely you can look at some of these games and wonder what uh, what happened. But uh, yeah, he's never gonna give up that. Uh, that's what he loves doing. That's why he's watching film all these odd hours in the morning so he can think of plays to call and when to call him. So I think that's his that's his thing. So that'll never happen. I could never see him giving up play calling, but I do think that he needs to take a serious look and do some self scouting when it comes to his play calling and short yardage and his play calling in a red zone. But I, I do agree with Jimmy. I think he's been pretty good for the most part. Yeah, there, there's some puzzling moments, but I would even rank him as uh, one of the top 10 play callers in NFL right now. All right. So the hypothetical, if Carr were to be traded, and we're not saying that he would be, but what do you guys think his value around the league would be if the Raiders made him available? Well, it should be good. I mean, we talked about he had a good year despite some circumstances. I think um, he's got a very nice, nice contract. It's a, it's a pay-as-you-go deal. Like, there's two years left on it now. I think it's about $21, 22000000 million a year, which is pretty good. Look at the uh, top, you know, half the quarterbacks in the league. So it's an attractive contract. I think he's still at the age where teams would be excited about getting him. So I think if, if there was um, an England that would go that direction, there would be some interest in him. But I, I don't see that happening. But you, you never know. 
I think he's at least worth a, a first round draft pick and probably, you know, at, at least, and a, you got to throw a second and third in there at least. He has a he had a really good year. He has a team friendly deal right now. So, yeah, I mean, quarterback's most important position on the field. It's not going to happen, but I would say a first and and probably a second too. If somebody's offering Gruden a first and a second, I think he might take that. I think he might jump to add a couple more high picks. What do you think? It depends how the first how high the first would be, I think. Because if you get rid of Car- like you have to get another quarterback. I haven't looked at the free agency class for next year. You got Mariota's lot signed. <laughs> yeah, so they're still going to need a quarterback. So like, like if it's not like a relatively high first, I think he probably wouldn't do it. Question here from Jaden D. He, uh, we're, we're all about quarterbacks getting traded. Does Mariota get traded in the offseason? And in your guys' opinion, who should be the Raiders DC and why? We'll get to Mariota in a minute, but I mean, I think talked about Raheem Morris previously. And when you see what he was able to do, what the, the Falcons were able to do to the Chiefs, they lost the game, missed a, a chip shot field goal at the end that would have tied it. But the way that they were able to hold, I think the, I don't think the Chiefs scored a touchdown to what, maybe the fourth quarter or whatever. When you look at what Falcons were able to do to Kansas City on Sunday, I think that would bolster his candidacy. I mean, he, he seems like to me would be the best choice out there, assuming he doesn't get the Falcons job. And I don't think he's going to. Yeah, we're going to have to get Raheem Morris to give us some of his bonus if he does get hired. I thought Rod had a chance at the full-time job, but I don't anymore. I think last week's um, last play pretty much ends that. Any thought of, and it was probably a long shot to begin with because of his age, and you know you want to see some real improvement. But uh, I think that last play, um, oh, the, the combination of the penalty and, and the coverage mistake, I think that pretty much, in my mind, it's probably the end of his uh, chances for being the coordinator and also probably the end of, uh, of Arden Key. I, I can't imagine Arden Key's back next year, but – who knows? I could be wrong. But um, as far as um, the coordinators out there, you know, I know Morris is the name we're talking about. I, I still like Gus Bradley. Gus Bradley, I think, will, get, will be let go of the Chargers. I think he has a, also a good track record against the Chiefs. I think um, he has some ties with John Gruden in the past also. So uh, that's a name I like probably more than, than Raheem Morris. So you don't think uh, that Marinelli can survive after the most horrific play of John Gruden's career? Well, survive. I'll probably he's under contract, so he'll probably go right, go back to being D line coach. I mean, that's I think that's what he like, enjoys doing anyway. So I think um, he won't get blamed. But I just think I think he need to really show something and kind of earn uh, in John and maybe the players' minds the, the, the chance to keep this job for next year. I'm not sure that's going to happen anymore. I think the good thing, you know, with hiring a guy like Raheem Morris or Gus Bradley is they can work with Rod Marinelli because those, you know, their philosophies work with that single gap mentality that Marinelli coaches with. And Raheem Morris, he's, he worked with Marinelli in Tampa Bay, I believe, too. Obviously, Gruden really likes Marinelli as D-line coach, so that, that kind of works out. All right, well, how about Mariota? I mean, the Raiders have him on a two-year deal. I mean, it's a non-guaranteed contract uh, for next season, but they could elect to keep him and trade him, or they could let him go. I, I, do you guys see any possibility of them keeping him and then trying to trade him i think his deal jumps up to like nine million next year nine and a half million i can't imagine they, they pay that i think for him it's probably worked out great because he showed pretty well in the game against you know the chargers and now he can probably hit the market and, and get a decent offer to at least have a chance maybe to compete for a starting job next year or be a number two behind some young guy who may not be uh, quite proven but um i would uh, my gut feeling is he's not back next year yeah, I think they have until June, next June, to make a decision on his contract before it comes becomes guaranteed. So they could try to trade him throughout you know, free agency and in the draft. And then, you know, if nothing comes of it, then cut him in and, and, and still be able to avoid paying that money. But, yeah, I don't think there's any way that he comes back next season under that dollar figure. 
I guess the only other option uh, scenario would be, you know, if they trade Carr and, you know, draft a young quarterback and want to keep him around just in case or something like that, you know, as far as Mariota. But more, more than likely, he's probably this week will have his last game in a Raiders jersey. Almost a perfect situation for him, really, right? And he got he gets thrown into the game when Carr gets hurt, and so he he plays when they haven't prepared or scouted for him. And then if he doesn't play the final two games, he doesn't play against a team that prepared for him, and so he goes into the free agent market if they cut him. And uh, he he's got this one game where he plays three quarters or whatever where a team wasn't prepared for him, and he looked really good. So hey, that's a will be a great situation for Mariota um, at the end of the market, but. Let's end the questions here and let's make our predictions. Are the Raiders going to get to eight and eight and at least have a 500 season or will they have their 16th losing season since reaching the Super Bowl after the 2002 season? I think they'll win. I think they'll beat the Broncos and and go eight and eight. While this defense is, is terrible, they did play the Broncos really well last time around and while they could, you know, doesn't guarantee that they play well again. You know, I think with them getting a couple guys back, uh, they'll be able to play well enough. And I don't have any doubts that the offense will be able to score against the Broncos. And so I think they do enough to come out with the win and, and finish the season 8-8. Eight and eight. I got the Raiders fulfilling or completing their yearly tradition of beating the Broncos in a meaningless game at the end of the season. Uh, I think they'll probably beat them pretty handedly. The, the Broncos' defense, they, they are beat up. I mean, they have corners starting that they're signing off the street. Drew Locke's played a little bit better, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he regressed and let um, let Damon Arnett and, and Ed Trayvon Mullen get to their overs with some interceptions. Raiders beat them 35-21. Uh, to I have them losing. I think, um, I think they lost last year, the last game. They've lost the last two years in the last game of the year under John Gruden, so I'm not sure how much you can rally the troops and, and give them a, a cause to believe this win is really worth I think the run, you know, I think the run defense is going to have a hard time. I think um, the weather is not bad this weekend, so that's actually in their favor. But I just think they, they found ways to lose the last month, and that continues. I think they lose. Uh, I think I got 26-25 Broncos, and they finish up 7-9. and Yeah, last year it was a 16-15 loss in the finale in Denver. I've got them losing as well. I'm, I'm going to say 20-17, to fairly low-scoring game. I mean, like you said, Vic, it's... Weather doesn't look like it'll be bad, but it is Denver, so you know the weather can change in the in a snap of the finger there. Um, but yeah, I just I don't I don't feel like you know like you said I don't I don't know that this is a team that will really be able to just oh let's put it all together we want to we really want to finish eight and eight and and whatnot. Um, the seven and nine again another losing season. Like we mentioned, I think after Saturday's game, seven and nine versus eight and eight matters to. You know, some people, it matters definitely the people that have the over-under, but I don't think for players it really makes a, a whole lot of a difference. So, yeah, Vic and I are, are picking them to lose. We're too wow, jaded. Split. That's the problem. We're old jaded guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, that'll wrap up this edition of State of the Nation. We will, of course, be back on Sunday after the Raiders finish off their season against the Denver Broncos. And then uh, next week we'll uh, – We'll recap the whole season for you and put a bow on it. Maybe give out some presents, some awards and, and whatnot and get you ready for the offseason. Start talking mock drafts. Woohoo! Adios. Vaya con Dios.